Uh, we are on a series of lessons, like I mentioned a moment ago, called Jesus Is. Uh, what we've been uh, discovering are really foundational thoughts, doctrinal thoughts. It, can, I, can I spill the beans to you? I didn't tell you on week one or week two, but I'm going to tell you on week three. What I'm giving to you is the four doctrinal thoughts of the four-square denomination. The four-square denomination was founded about 100 years ago by Amy Semple McPherson right up the road here. Angelus Temple is still there. If you know the Barnett family that is running the, uh, um, help me out with the name of it, the Dream Center and the church up there. Uh, that's the building that she was actually in and phenomenal, reached Hollywood in a phenomenal way. It was just incredible what was going on. Uh, where the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit happened. People were getting saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, and healed. And they actually started a denomination that was based on these four principles. These are four Bible principles that every church that believes uh, the Bible would adhere to, agree with. We talked about in week one that Jesus is our Savior. We talked about that he delivers us from the power of sin, from the power, come on, of, of, of the hold, the stronghold, the dominion of sin in your and my life. And he saves us for relationship with him. God is madly in love with you and I, and he saves us and desires to have relationship, connection, fellowship with us. So once again, rehashing that message just 10 seconds, don't think of your relationship with God as distant, as somehow he's up there and you're down here. Get in your mind that just like a natural father would be to you, that he is there with you. He's there to counsel you. He's there to help you. He's there to relate with you, to help you in every single thing that you're going with in life. Jesus is our Savior. Amen. We talked about last week that Jesus is our healer. He's our healer. He's not only our Savior, but we found out the same sacrifice that actually saves us from our sin is the same sacrifice that heals us from sickness and disease. Jesus bore, he lifted, he removed, and he carried away at the cross in his sacrifice all sickness, all disease for you and I. And the scripture tells us by his stripes, by his black and blue marks, by those 39 lashes, by the piercing in his side, by the, by the, the, the stakes in his hands and in his feet, by the crown of thorns, by the blood that he shed for us on the cross, we have a right to walk in health. Come on, somebody. God never intended man to be separated from him spiritually. We found that that happened in the, in the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve sinned, they were separated from God spiritually. But God never intended man to be separated from God uh, uh, physically as well. Going through uh, the, the suffering and the pain, all of the genesis of that, that moment happened when Adam and Eve said no to God, no to God's way, no to God's will, no to God's word, and said we want to do our own thing. That's when all this began. But we know that Jesus came to reverse the curse. Thank God. So Jesus is our Savior. Jesus is our healer, and today we're going to talk about, as we mentioned already a couple times last week and again this morning already, is that Jesus is baptizer with the Holy Spirit. Can you say that with me? Jesus is baptizer with the Holy Spirit. So, so as, we, as we start tiptoeing our way into where we want to go today, in the next couple of moments, I'm going to have your, your attention drawn to the screen here or back in the back, wherever you're sitting in the room, and our online audience as well will be able to see. And I'm going to give you 
a whole bucket list of some things that the Holy Spirit is. They'll be up here. If you want to screenshot those, that might help you. Go back on YouTube and, and listen and watch the video. I think it might help you that maybe are unfamiliar with this person that we're actually talking about. Uh, maybe you're here today and you, you, you say, this has happened to me before. Some people have come up to me and said, what does this even mean that Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit? I, I, I've heard of water baptism, right? I went to a church or maybe I was raised Catholic and, and I got sprinkled and uh, I've heard of that or, or I've heard of water baptism, but now you're talking about baptism in the Holy Spirit. Maybe other people. Again, th these are some questions that have come to me over the course of years. Who, who is the Holy Spirit? M maybe you've never heard of him. So, so we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, then another question or statement that I've had you know, given to me is, isn't Jesus all I need? I thought Jesus is all I need. If I got Jesus, I got everything. We'll talk about it a little bit, hopefully today. And then maybe the question would be, well, if Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit, what exactly is he going to baptize me with? What, what Baptism means immersion. It, it means immersion. Baptism doesn't mean a little dab will do you. It doesn't mean a sprinkle. It, it means immersion. It means you get baptized in whatever you're getting in. Jesus says, I'm going to baptize you in the person of the Holy Spirit. So, so come on, everybody. You ready to go? Come on, poke your neighbor with your elbows or something. Look at me and say, let's go, let's go, let's go. We're getting ready to go. The Holy Spirit, what we know from Scripture, is that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. The Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When we see from Scripture account from the very beginning, in the very beginning, the very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, chapter 1, we see God the Father, we see the Holy Spirit brooding over this earth. We see the Holy Spirit's activity right from the beginning. He is co-equal and he is co-eternal with the Father and Jesus. Listen to me. I don't want you to get the impression that somehow it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Mm -mm. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're co-equal. They're co-eternal. He is with the Father and with Jesus. He is omnipresent. Check it out. He's omnipresent. That means he's everywhere. You can't get away from the Holy Spirit. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's all-powerful. Not just God the Father, not just Jesus when we read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but the Holy Spirit is all-powerful. And he's also omniscient. He's all-knowing. He knows everything, just like God the Father and just like Jesus. What we know from the Scripture is that he's the author of, of the Old and the New Testament. It is by his anointing, by his leadership, by his influence on the hearts of men that they wrote those 66 books, Old Testament and the New Testament. By the Holy Spirit's power, prophets, priests, and kings were anointed. Again, Old Testament. The Holy Spirit would come on the prophet. The Holy Spirit would come on the king. The Holy Spirit would come on the priest. It was the Holy Spirit, God the Spirit, that would come on these men and anoint them and women to do the work that God had called them to do. The Holy Spirit, he operates in the body of Christ with characteristics as a person. I want you to get this. 
He's not like you, but he has character, or me, but he has characteristics like a person, such as he possesses a mind. The Holy Spirit can think. The Holy Spirit knows. The Holy Spirit perceives. The Holy Spirit has feelings, we know from scriptures. He can be grieved. He can be lied to. He can even be blasphemed or cursed. These are characteristics that would be uh, uh, um, the same as towards a physical, natural human being like, like you and me. In the scriptures, this is going to be lengthy, so just stick with me. He is referred to as the Spirit of God. He's referred to as the Spirit of Christ. You'll read it in the New Testament. He's referred to as the Helper in John 14, 15, and 16. And the Helper in the Amplified Bible will say the Holy Spirit is your Helper. He's your Comforter, your Counselor, your Advocate, your Intercessor, your Strengthener, and your Standby. All characteristics of a person. The Holy Spirit, again, is the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, the Helper. He is called the Holy Spirit of Promise. In other translations, or excuse me, other scriptures, he's called the Spirit of Truth. Jesus called him that. He's the Spirit of Grace, the Spirit of Life, the Spirit of Adoption, and he is called the Spirit of Holiness. Listen to me. When you open yourself up to the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, you have access to him in all these realms. You have access to the help of God. The very spirit of Christ, the anointed one, lives in you now. Come on, I'm getting ready to run up in here in a minute. <laughs> Come on, somebody wave a hanky. Come on. Uh, the spirit of promise. You need a promise from God. The promise giver lives on the inside of the believer now. He's the spirit of truth. He won't lie to you. He's going to tell you the truth. The spirit of grace. Come on, anybody needs some grace. Uh, come on, and not just judgment. You just need grace and mercy. That's who he is. The spirit of life, the very life of God. Come on, adoption. I'm not feeling like, like I'm, I'm alone in this world. I nobody loves me. Nobody gets me. I don't know, I don't know maybe my natural father. And I, he's the spirit of adoption. You have been adopted into the family of God. And you can, there, there's an awareness of that by the person of the Holy Spirit and the spirit of holiness. Maybe you're struggling with some stuff and some challenges, some addictions, whatever's going on in your life. The spirit of holiness lives inside the believer. We know, again, from scriptures that he is seen with symbols such as fire. We, we, we sang that this morning. Fire, wind, water oil, a seal, and a dove. These are different symbols that we see in Scripture that speak of the person called the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us, he gives us several things that we see, lots of stuff. I'm just kind of giving you an overview. He gives us fruit in Galatians 5, 22 through 23. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The Holy Spirit's fruit is now in the life of the believer. He also gives us as he wills. We don't possess these, but as he wills, he gives us certain spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Different kinds of tongues, the interpretation of those tongues, the gift of prophecy, the working of miracles, the gifts of healings, and the gift of special faith. He says that he's going to also give you the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. Again, spirit-giving gifts at certain times so that you can be used by God to be a blessing and set somebody free or be a deliverer of the message that God wants you to speak. These are 
spiritual gifts. They're not natural. They're supernatural things that the Holy Spirit possesses, and he gives to you and I, the believer. And thank God he's going to give us direction. Come on, Romans chapter 8, verse 14 says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, come on, somebody, they're the sons of God. He's going to give us direction. If we went home right now, we could say it's been good in church, or at least it's been hot. Come on, somebody. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to talk long today, but, but uh, just enough to, to, to put some stuff in us. Because when it comes to the Holy Spirit, I, I don't want us to, to get so teachy today, specifically. We can talk about it maybe later and, and, and give us so much theology that we miss the experience. And I want us to experience the person of the Holy Spirit. And my passion, what we're going to wind up doing, I'll just give you the heads up at the end of the service. We're going to pray for anybody in the room that doesn't know Jesus, and Jesus will be your Lord. And then we're going to pray for anybody in the room that wants to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The band's going to come up. Come on, we're going to sense the presence of God. The presence of God's been in the room all morning. And I believe that just like what happened to me 42 years ago, come on, 42 years ago, is going to be your same experience. And just like everybody, many, many people all around the room, same thing. They've come to a point in their life, they said, I just can't keep going the way I'm going. There's got to be more to this Christian life than what I'm seeing. And listen, you've come to the right place today because the more is the person of the Holy Spirit. Come on, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. John the Baptist was the cousin of Jesus. And, uh, you know, they were raised together. Uh, you know, we know from the book of Matthew how the beginning and how, you know, uh, Mary, or excuse me, yeah, Mary and then, and then John's mom, they, 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 they were cousins that were, you know, together. And she was six months pregnant. And, and then Mary found out she was pregnant, you know, talking to her about Gabriel's encounter with her. And then John was, was like a forerunner, the scripture says, a, a, like a type of Elijah that was going to be a forerunner for Jesus. That was a call on his life. And, and people were coming up to him, this wild guy out in the wilderness. You know, he, he, he's got camel's hair on for clothing, kind of wild guy, probably got hair braided and, you know, looking a little bit different, eating locusts and wild honey. He's just a wild child preaching for Jesus out. People were drawn to him. But the scripture says he's got a message of repentance. Uh, and they're, they're coming to him constantly saying, man, we ain't never heard anything like this for like, like literally hundreds of years. When you read the account in, in Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, it was 400 years till stuff started cooking again. So there was silence for 400 years. And then we see this guy, Matthew, or excuse me, uh, yeah, John the Baptist, excuse me, show up in Matthew. And he's preaching this baptism of repentance. And all the people are saying, are you the one? Are you the Messiah we've been hearing about. And he would say, no, I'm not the one. And, and he tells him exactly who he is and who's going to be one that's going to be coming. Here's what he says in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. He says, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. Someone's coming. It's not me. Someone's coming. And he says, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave and carry his sandals. Check out. He, this one that's coming, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. There's somebody coming. I'm not him. I'm not him. But I'm, gonna, I'm a forerunner. I'm going to point you to him. Now we know that Jesus actually came to John 
and he asked him to baptize him in the river Jordan. We know that account. And he, was ba he actually baptized Jesus, and when he came out of the water, the Holy Spirit, again, a type of Holy Spirit, like a dove, gently like a dove. I don't, personally, I don't think it was a bird that landed on Jesus. We got that all wrong. The, there had to be some kind of manifestation. I'll just say it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we're all wrong. But like a person coming upon Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit came gently like a dove. Didn't flood him. Didn't knock him to the ground. Didn't make him shake, rattle, and roll. Didn't make him do anything crazy. The Holy Spirit just filled him. They saw it. He said, he is going to fill you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Jesus immerses us as believers with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So the question would be for every Christian is, have you ever had fire, passion, or any kind of spiritual desire in your life? If you have not, then I would say you are a candidate to be filled with the Holy Spirit, according to what Jesus is saying. Now, uh, have you ever known that kind of Christian, that, 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 that Christian, you know, the capital T-H-A-T, -T, that Christian who was just always talking about God, always talking about the word, always talking about testimonies, always talking about what Jesus is doing? Uh, probably we all know that person, and I bet if you got under the hood of that person's life, you would find that person is probably filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to come and give you a passion and give you a fire and give you a burning and cause your life to just be changed in the current state that maybe you see yourself or even recognize yourself. Listen, I'm not saying God's going to make you somebody else than you're not. That's not what I'm saying. But he's going to fire your life up that you might look back in, in three years from now going, I don't even know who that guy was. And that was me. <laughs> I'm a new person. How? Because you have received the person of the Holy Spirit who's going to bring passion, who's going to bring fire, who's going to bring his glory. Come on, somebody. He's going to bring his goodness. He's going to bring his truth. He's going to bring his holiness into your life, and he's just going to change us. So what's beautiful about this, too, is that if you have lost your passion, if you have lost your fire, your intention, if you've lost your spiritual desire, come on, somebody. The scripture says he will give it to you again. We can be filled and filled again with the Holy Spirit. Now, now, now I don't believe we leak. I don't think that's scriptural. <laughs> I might have even said that. We, we don't leak the Holy Spirit out of our life somehow. But, but here's what I do know. If, if I'm not pursuing him, I am pursuing something. My, I am pursuing Netflix. I am pursuing my own career. I am pursuing that guy or that girl. I am pursuing my own job. I am pursuing other things. Uh, and if I'm not pursuing him, more of that is in my life. And if more of that is in my life, the fire and the passion and the, 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 the pursuit of God is going to get less and less. We know that. And so, so if that is the case in your life and or my life at, at a time or two, you know, where, where, where I need a fresh touch, Thank God he's there to touch you. 
He's there to refire your life, get you on course again. You know, the worst thing to be would be just to keep going in the direction maybe that some people go and not recognize that God has a new touch and fresh fire for my life and will get me moving in a direction of profitability where my life can change and I can see more of him and him use me in ways that I haven't been used right now. Come on, somebody. We all need to be filled and filled again with the Holy Spirit. Anybody say amen to that? So John says this before Jesus shows up. Somebody's coming. Uh, you know, I'm not even worthy to, 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 to tie his sandals. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And we know from reading the account of the scripture, he's talking about Jesus coming. And so when Jesus comes and, and when you read the scripture, you think in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus has been here for a long time. Really from his public ministry, uh, he started preaching and teaching and healing when he was about 30 years of age because that's when the priests of the day could begin and could, could, could uh, begin their priesthood. And so he, as a rabbi, if you will, had followers, disciples, just like there were multiplied, lots of rabbis that had followers in this day. He had his followers that were following him, again, as God in the flesh, the Messiah come, come on, born of a virgin. He is a son of God in bodily form. And, 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 and he's teaching them and healing them. We're seeing signs and wonders and miracles. And we think that, that, it's, that it's gone on for years or decades. And really, it's only about three and a half years. So at about 30 years of age, he gets water baptized, immersed by his cousin, John the Baptist, and he comes up and begins his public ministry. And that's what we have recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, Jesus, Jesus talked towards the end of his life a lot about the Holy Spirit, specifically in John 14, 15, and 16. As I mentioned a moment ago, he talks about when he comes into your life, he's going to bring help. You need a helper. Come on, you need a helper, a divine helper, a supernatural helper. You need a comforter. You need a counselor. You need somebody that's going to strengthen you and stand by you and somebody that's going to intercede for you and before God. You need an advocate. You need somebody to plead your case before the Father. And Jesus says, I got somebody for you. He's called the Holy Spirit. And any time that God's going to give you something again, it might be unusual. It might be, it, it might be uh, where it's not been seen before, but it shouldn't be weird. And, and again, shame on us, you know, that we, we, have made, we have made receiving the Holy Spirit sometimes something just weird. Just weird. We got binding and loosening and casting out and casting in and jump up and jump down and roll this and do. Listen, we don't see that in Scripture. We don't see that. We see about three accounts in the book of Acts, and haven't got time to talk, talk to them about them all this morning. We'll read one in just a moment. But when the Holy Spirit came into people's lives, listen to me, there wasn't anything crazy that went on. <laughs> Nothing crazy that went on. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. The one thing that, would, that was supernatural, that would be seen to be crazy, is that they spoke in other tongues. They spoke in a language they didn't know. Now, for you and me, for you in the room, if you've never experienced that before, I can't tell you what it's like until you do it. <laughs> but if you're open for God to give you a gift, my desire for you, everybody in the room and everybody online, is that you'd be open for everything he has. And if he showed up in Acts chapter 2, and that's what he did, if he showed up in Acts chapter 10, and that's what he did. 
If he shows up in Acts chapter 19, and that's exactly what they got. They got filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke with other tongues. And he's the same, like we read yesterday, or excuse me, last week. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Guess what he wants to do? He wants to fill Gary with the Spirit of God, and I get this gift also called the ability to speak in other tongues. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. So before Jesus leaves, before he leaves, he gets his disciples together. He's already paid the price for sin. He's gone to the cross. He's been resurrected. Acts chapter 1 says he spent 40 days on the earth talking to his disciples. It says in the Amplified Bible, showing them infallible proofs, convincing demonstrations, and unquestionable evidences of who he is. Acts 1.3 says that. He, he, he knows that this is, these 40 days are winding down, and he wants them to have the last big thing I need to tell you. Luke chapter 24, verse 49, gives us this one scripture. Luke records... Luke wasn't there, by the way. Luke was a, was a disciple and hung out with the Apostle Paul. But he's getting this from the disciples that were there. And he says in, in Luke chapter 24, verse 49, Jesus saying this to his 12 disciples that are there, or really 11 at the time, since Judas has already gone out and hung himself. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. Notice, the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry or wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Jesus tells these disciples as a tag on exactly what John the Baptist said he would do. He is going to fill you with the Holy Spirit and fire. There is not any other scripture when you begin reading from Jesus' public ministry until this point that this has actually happened. So this must be a fulfillment of what John the Baptist said was going to happen. This was what he was talking about. Jesus saying, I'm going to send you the promise of my father. It's been prophesied. This is, why, this is one reason why I came. My life, now, when you read the scriptures, they had already become born again at this time. He breathes on them, the very breath of life. I believe at that point, these men who pre-Jesus going to the cross, pre-resurrection of Christ, they believe just like an Old Testament man. We believe you're the Christ, but the sacrifice for their sin hadn't been paid for but now Jesus goes to the cross. Jesus suffers and dies. He pays the penalty for three days and three nights in the center of the earth. He's resurrected, and an account says here that Jesus breathes on them the breath of life. I believe at that time they became born again. They, wrecked, they surrendered their life to him. They're now new creatures in Christ Jesus. That is the only requirement for anybody to be filled with the Holy Spirit is that you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And now he says, listen to me, that's not enough. Receiving me 
as Lord and Savior isn't enough. The Father has a promise for you. I'm going to send you the promise of my Father. And I need you to go to Jerusalem and wait for it. And when you're there, you're going to be endued with power from on high. Let's talk about some of these things we've already talked about. This promise was from the Father God. I've had numerous conversations with people wondering where the promise was coming from. Jesus tells exactly where it was coming from. It's coming from the Father God. We read it. The promise would clothe them with power. Another other translation says, clothe them with strength, with energy, with might, with great force and ability. This promise, whatever, whatever it was, they didn't even know what it was. Go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of my father. We don't know what it is. What, what, is, what is that? But when he comes, the promise is going to clothe them. It, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be on them. They're, they're going to be endued with power. Come on. Anybody in the room besides me need some power in life? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to get strength and energy and might and ability from God to do what God's called you to do. Uh, the, the promise, he goes on to say in this scripture, would come from on high. I, I've had people all my life wonder, if I ask for the Holy Spirit, what happens if, what happens if I get something demonic? How? How could you ask God, the Father, for what he promised and what Jesus came to fulfill, and God allow you to get something demonic? Never. The promise, the promise is going to come from on high. And the promise of the Father was the person called the Holy Spirit who would fill believers with supernatural power to be a witness for Jesus and to win in life. This is what Jesus says in Luke 24, 49. Now we know the very same sort of scripture is in Acts chapter 1-8 that says the Holy Spirit's going to give you power. When he comes in your life, you're going to be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. He's going to give you power. He's going to give you ability. He's going to give you energy. He's going to give you efficiency when the Holy Spirit comes in your life. That the main ingredient in your life is that you are now going to be a fired up believer for your life and for me to flow through you to be light and help and salt to everybody that you come in contact with. Come on, so, so far so good, everybody? We doing all right? Okay, cool. Come on, y'all are real quiet. I know it's hot in here, but we're going to get through it. Come on. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Here's the main scripture that we're going to read. We're going we're gonna to give you a couple thoughts in just, uh, um, just a moment as we close. And then we're going to get a chance to pray for everybody in the room. Right now, you might be hot on the outside, but you're going to sense the heat on the inside. Come on, I believe it. I believe it. You just say, man, I want it. Man, God, you're going to give me a gift? I say, yeah. I'll wait in line. I'll wait outside in the hot for that gift. If it's from you, yeah, I will. Yeah, well, I'm hungry for God. I need more of God in my life. So here's the fulfillment of that. Remember, he says, go to Jerusalem. Wait until you're endued with power from on high. You go, the promise of the Father is going to meet you there. Wait. The scripture says in Acts chapter 1, they were 10 days waiting. 10 days waiting. They didn't know what they're waiting for. You can read it in the book of Acts, chapter 1. They're just waiting, waiting for this promise. Didn't know what it looked like. Didn't have any kind of scripture. Didn't, couldn't watch a, you know, a HBO video on who, well, who this person was or anything going on. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. 
When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. You read it later on, there's about 120 of them. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire. Stop right there. Didn't Jesus say he was going to, or didn't John the Baptist say he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire? So, so, so what seemed to be on all these 120 people that were there, there were tongues, like just, just licks of fire. You know what I mean? You're looking at a fire in the campfire, whatever, like those little tongues. Everybody had fire. Separated and came to rest on each of them. Don't miss that. On each of them. Let's go back there real quick. On each of them. Tongues. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire, 120 there, that separated. It wasn't just one fire. Everybody, 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 black, white, Asian, Hispanic, young, old, rich, poor, cool, not cool, straight jeans, baggy jeans. Come on, somebody. Everybody. Come on, somebody. Everybody got the Holy Spirit. Verse 4. Whew. Don't miss this now. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The Holy Spirit gave them this thing called a supernatural language. Everyone had fire in their head. Everyone was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in tongues. Weird? No. Supernatural? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They never heard it before. Hebrew dudes speaking Hebrew. Ain't nobody speaking Hebrew up in here. They're speaking in tongues. The scripture says when you speak in tongues, you'll magnify God. One of the main ingredients, you magnify God. We'll talk about the main ingredient for why you need to get filled with the Holy Spirit and speak with tongues. Maybe you're filled with the Holy Spirit, but you've never spoken tongues. You can do it this morning. What we know that happened, the end game of this, was this was the spiritual equipment that, was, that filled these guys' lives, the person of the Holy Spirit, that caused these 120 and that these 11 disciples, and then later 12, and began multiplying in the book of Acts, and Acts 2, and 3, and 4, and 5, and just goes on, that they changed the world. Because they had received Jesus as Lord, and they were now clothed with power. And the book of Acts gives us these accounts that these brothers and sisters changed the world. Come on, somebody. One, I'm landing the plane. Thank you for listening long. One of the main benefits of being baptized with the Holy Spirit is the benefit He, the Father, gives us in prayer. The Holy Spirit, if I could say it this way, is your heavenly prayer partner. He gives you a new kind of language to pray. It is supernatural. I can't tell you anything but it. It's just supernatural. But can I tell you, he's not going to grab a hold of you while you're pushing your cart in target and cause you to flop on the ground like a fish and pray in tongues. Come on, somebody. He's just not going to do it. Again, if you've been in any kind of church like I've been and raised in, we've seen abuses, we've seen that. And I just want to tell you, you do not have to be scared of the Holy Spirit. 
just like if Jesus showed up in here, can you imagine any of us being scared if Jesus showed up? He's going to be nothing but liquid love. He's going to love you. Come on, somebody. You don't have to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. But as we talk, just as we wind down about the benefit of, of, of the Holy Spirit in prayer, me personally, this is the greatest thing that's happened in my life concerning prayer. And we'll talk about it. Let me give you about four scriptures in closing. Going to be real quick. 1 Corinthians 14, 14 and 15. Paul says this. He's giving clarity to the church at Corinth. And he says, for if I pray in a tongue. Who, 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 who's praying? Paul. If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. Okay, so we're locating where it's coming from. You're going to locate where it's coming from. You're, you're not praying out of your head. Where are you praying? Out of what? It's out of your spirit. If I pray in a tongue, if I pray in an unknown tongue, that's what he says, my spirit is praying, but my understanding, where's your understanding? Your head. My understanding is unfruitful. I don't get it. I don't understand it. Verse 15, he says, what's the conclusion then? I, Paul says this, I, I will. I make up my mind. Can I tell you something? July 2nd, 1980, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I, I, I know there has been, but I don't remember too many. I have prayed in tongues every single day for 42 years. I'll find a time during the day to pray in other tongues. And I'll tell you why in a minute. I'll tell you why in a minute. I'll tell you why you need it. It's, it's aided me. Listen, can I say it this way? It's kept me being a pastor when I wanted to quit. It's kept me holy when there's unholy desires in me. It's kept me from choking somebody when the spirit of choke came on me. Come on, somebody. You know, you need the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but look, look, check it out now. I, I thought, if, I thought, I thought, I thought, hey, we might be a little bit longer than, than I thought, or so keep playing. You're doing good. <laughs> I will pray. I'm in control of this. I, I'm in, me, Gary, mind, will, emotions, intellect, body, spirit. I'm in control of this. I will pray with the spirit, but, but I, I'm going to pray with my understanding. In other words, I'm going to pray in English. That's my language. And I'm going to pray in other tongues. Hmm. He says, I'm going to sing with the spirit. There's going to be times that I just don't have to sing in the songs we sang today. And, and a lot of times it's not, it's not, there's a whole, lots of variations and it's too detailed. We'd be here for hours this morning. But the vein I want you to get is when it comes to your own personal prayer time, you can sing in Spanish or English, whatever is your known language, and you'll be able to slip over and sing in other tongues. It's going to be a beautiful thing gonna be a beautiful thing but notice you are in charge of this you're in control of this first Corinthians 14 2 Paul's talking to this church at Corinth because they had an abuse of, of praying in tongues and this was going on uh, chapter 14 verse 2 he says this for he who speaks in a tongue or speaks in an unknown tongue does not speak to men but to God okay okay so what that what's that telling me this is a personal prayer language between you and God. 
That's the main ingredient. That's the main benefit. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, when you're praying in tongues, the scripture calls it, you're in the spirit. You're speaking mysteries. The word mysteries means secrets. Secrets that only God can hear and understand. There, there, there are things that God wants you to pray out that you don't have any understanding of. Four kids, can I tell you, if you talk to me and Kimberly, listen, you think just because we're pastors that we ain't never got no problems up in here. And our kids will tell you some stuff that maybe they've been through. But times that we would go, we don't know how to pray. And we would slip over into praying in this thing called other tongues, an unknown tongue. And God would give us great comfort and great peace and see things happen that you don't even know how to pray. Who are they running with? Who are they hanging with? What are they hearing? What's going on? What's the attack of the enemy? I don't know, but you know, and I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit, who you gave me, Father, as a promise, and you're clothing me with power, and one of the things of power that you're giving me is the power to pray out. Come on, somebody. What's messing with me personally, or messing with my wife, or messing with my kids, or messing with you? Listen, I don't know what's going on in your life, but I'll find myself in the middle of the night up with some of y'all's faces. I don't want y'all into, but come on, somebody. And your faces in the middle of me. And I'll be praying in tongues. I don't know how to pray. I don't, sometimes you do, but I don't know how to pray. God's going to give you this gift. He goes on to say in verse 4, check this out. He who speaks in a tongue edifies or builds yourself up. You need to be built up. Jude says it this way. You build yourself up on your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. You build yourself up. One translation says you rise higher and higher. You feel like you're getting crushed down, getting beaten down, getting bruised down, getting jacked up by the world. Pray in tongues. God's going to build you up. Come on, going to strengthen you. Going to cause your vision to soar. Going to give your word in season to him who's weary. Come on, everybody. Can somebody say amen up in the room? Yeah. Come on, let me land the plane right now. Because God told you I'm going to give you four scriptures. Here's a four scripture. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, he says this, In the same way the Spirit helps us. Well, of course He helps us. He's called the helper. He's going to help us. In our weakness. The word weakness means this. It means your inability to produce the results that you need. When it comes to prayer, we all come to this place. I don't know what else to do. I don't know what else to pray. I don't know what else to I don't God, I don't know what else to say. I've said all the words I can say. That might be 15 seconds. That might be 15 minutes. I don't know what else to pray about this. The Spirit's going to come and help you in your inability to produce the results that are needed. We don't know what we ought to pray for. What are you going to pray for? How are you going to pray for that? I don't know. I, I, I've got some. some I, we, we don't just pray only in other tongues, but we don't just only pray in English or Spanish. We pray what we know, 
and we allow the Holy Spirit to pray through us. Because the Spirit himself, check it out, is going to intercede for us through wordless groans or sighs or deep things in your life where you say, God, I don't know what else to say. And it's just like, hmm. And there's a prayer in other tongues that rises and comes out of you. Listen, could I say it this way? When you're at the end of how to pray, pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit, again, in, we know the New Testament is written in Greek, and, and this is a very, Romans 8, 26, it's, it's got a very nuanced wording of, of, of uh, Hebrew, or excuse me, Greek words. It, it says that the Holy Spirit, when you pray, He's going to take hold together with you against whatever it is you're praying. He's going to come to your aid and he's going to lift you up and he's going to be there and stand with you and he's going to hold with you. He's going to pray through you. Again, I can't stress it enough. For my life, Kimberly's life, raised as a little girl in Assembly of God Church, been filled with the Holy Spirit since she was about four seen the benefit of not only praying scripture thank God for scripture praying in what you know to pray but then surrendering ourselves to pray in other tongues and the Holy Spirit then comes and takes hold together with us in our weakness I don't know what to produce I can't produce any results here I'm done God I'm done it looks like it's the end of the road it looks like it's over but the Holy Spirit comes and lifts you up and says, let me pray with you. Let me pray through you. Through you. A peace of God will come. A strength will come. You might not ever see anything different right then with your eyes. But an assurance in your heart to know that God is at work in my behalf. God's hearing my prayers. God's answering my prayers. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and fire. Can you say amen? Come on, anybody in the room agree with that? Come on, anybody just say amen to that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, you've been sitting a long time. Stand, would you do it all over the room? We're going to pray for everybody in the room today that doesn't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior online as well. And then I'm going to ask you that want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, as we did last week, to leave your chair and come up. We're just going to lay hands on you. Holy Spirit's going to come in your life. And whether you pray in tongues right now or you don't pray in tongues right now, I believe before the night's over, you're going to pray in other tongues. I believe it's a gift that God wants us to have. And I'm so passionate to want to, um, want, want to share it with you. And, and, and again, the, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit has been so ostracized and so you know pigeonholed into a certain thing or a certain movement he's God and he's going to give you the perfect gift exactly that you need and one of the main gifts he's going to give you is this gift called speaking in other tongues it's going to come on you it's going to fill you your life will change so all over the room, come on with your head bowed, your eyes closed, no one looking around, online as well. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you're away from him today,
and you want to, him in your life. Maybe you knew him as a child, but, but you don't know him now. Say, I'm not passionate about him now. I'm not hot with him now. He wants to come into your life and save you. So all over the room, front to back, online as well. You don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Come on, when I count to three, come on, just raise your hand and say, that's what I want. Come on, one, two, three, all over the room. Lift your hand and say, pray for me, Pastor Gary. Awesome. Awesome. Come on, I see these three hands right here. Come on, thank you very much. Thank you for your boldness. Come on. God's going to save you right now. What we do here is we lift up our voice and we ask him. And the scripture says when we ask, he comes. We don't have to be afraid of getting anything other than what we ask for. So all over the room, you that lifted your hands, you pray this mixed faith with it right now. Say this out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I ask you right now for the person of the Holy Spirit to come into my life. I believe he's Lord and Savior. I repent. I change my mind and I'm changing my direction. Fill me with the Holy Spirit and I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name. Can everybody clap real big about that this morning? You that prayed that prayer. Come on, let's, let's just thank God right there. Come on. You three that raised your hands, maybe more, maybe more online.